Hey everyone, welcome to the Being Giant Show. I'm one of your hosts, Rochelle Verna, and this is a podcast for academics by academics. This week, I'm talking to Patrick Cho, who is a PhD student at the University of Notre Dame. In this episode, we touch upon his past research experiences, the different challenges he faced prior to getting into grad school, and his hopes for the future. As always, we hope that you guys enjoy the episode. Hi, Patrick. How's it going? Your show. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, thank you so much for, you know, agreeing to do this with me. I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, I hope you're excited to, you know, be on the show. Um, I think uh, you have a really unique background that a lot of our listeners might find interesting. So, uh, yeah. So with that being said, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you're up to now? Like, what is it that you're doing right now? Um, sure. Uh, I'm a first year PhD student at the University of Notre Dame. Um, I more or less study or actually uh, I research past climates and I guess my interests are broadly speaking, um, precipitation variability and change in the like I guess the countries surrounding the Indian Ocean like Eastern Africa and like Western India and I'm interested in doing um, I guess for the a lot of the viewers, viewers might not know a lot about paleoclimate work so I come from a, a background that use these things called proxies or they're sort of like hints in the earth that tells us about past climate or vegetation or some information about the past. And I'm interested in incorporating um, multiple types of these uh, quote, quote unquote hints, as well as implement them into climate models to, to analyze like spatially and temporally how precipitation has been changing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's pretty dope. Um, so you you mentioned that, uh, like your research background has a lot to do with these uh proxies and stuff. So I guess this is stuff that you were doing in undergrad, correct? Uh, yeah. This is what I first started up in undergrad, and I guess like, um my interests have continued on with it so but then i wanted to do something a little bit more different by including like models and stuff like that so it's veered off very very slightly but not too much Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so how was it doing research as an undergrad um so like how did you end up realizing that you wanted to do um, more models related work? Um, I mean, I guess like your first question, like how research was at, as an undergrad, it was more in depth than I thought it would be first getting into it. And I, I mean, like I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I was excited and I wanted to, well, the initial reason was that I wanted to build my resume, but it sort of turned out that I was like, oh, this is kind of cool and I want to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Yeah, like I, I guess maybe it's dependent on the university's culture. Like for example, research is not as heavily involved at Notre Dame for undergraduates as it was for us at USC.、Mm-hmm. But when we were at USC, like it was just it was that that was a common thing to do, right? In our department, like you were heavily involved in research as an undergraduate, and it was almost strange if you weren't. Right, because well, I guess because like you know the department was so small, and it seemed as if like they were just prepping you to to get into grad school. That seemed like the most logical thing to do, or like、right. the thing that they wanted most of their students to to go ahead and do. Yeah, exactly. So I think in the sense that、uh, if you're interested in research, it's really really great. But if you're if you want to do some other stuff, maybe that's not necessarily the best for you. But for me, like. My mentor in undergrad, she was very like she really took me under her wing and and exposed me to a lot of things. And it's really like, although it was hard, and looking back at it, I was like, wow, like like I really did that as an undergrad. Like it was it wasn't easy, but but at the same time, like because I think I put in the work and sort of like I think this is how research works. Like you sort of have to prove yourself to get more opportunities, right? I guess like that's how life works in general. But um, I I feel like I experienced a lot of things like conferences and then delving deeper into research that most undergrads in the United States are not exposed to as much. So I thought that was really nice and. I had never really thought research was a, or like science was like a viable career path. But like the funny thing is, like as a kid, like I had always wanted to be a scientist. And after I joined my lab in undergrad, that's when I kind of was like, "Huh, wait, maybe this is actually something that's、mm-hmm. possible." Like it was like a childhood dream that I was like trying to, you know, achieve again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Prior to getting into undergrad, were you were you always interested in climate related work? It somewhat. I mean, like out of on out of high school, I actually thought I was gonna try to like become like a pianist. Like I don't even know if I've ever told you this. Actually, but... I feel like I vaguely remember vaguely remember that. I think I, I I even was trying to get you to play something for me. Oh we... yeah, 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 yeah. It's still not gonna happen. <laughs> I'm like, no. I'm pretty sure you you still have the skills, right? Because you were saying that um. That you're like trash now and stuff. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure that's not the case. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I'm I'm trash now. But yeah, out of high school, like I really didn't know what I wanted to do, and but I did piano like competitively since I was like five up to that point, and it was something I was like regularly above average at. So I was like, oh, maybe this is. This is it. Maybe this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. But then,、um, like I like was really lost, and I took like an AP environmental science class, and I really enjoyed it. And that was like my first time being exposed to earth science since like elementary school or something like that. And I was like, oh, maybe this is like something that's possible to do. And I I've always been interested in like animals and like conservation and stuff like that. So I try to like. Coming into USC, I tried like that's what I came in as like an environmental science major type of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So you came in as、uh, more or less as an, an environmental 
science major and stuff, but you eventually did the switch over to uh, geology. So what was the turning point there for you? Uh, I actually made a lot of switches in between. Like I came in as an environmental science and health major. And then the, like, I don't know what you call it, like a counselor or like advisor, like academic advisor. Mm -hmm. They were like, this is like a path if you want to go to med school. And I, and I, I was really opposed to doing like pre-med stuff or like going to med school. Like I have zero interest to it. I had zero interest in it and I still have zero interest in it. <laughs> and I, they told me to switch my major to environmental studies. So I did, but then it was like heavily policy based and I wasn't so interested in that. And I was like, well, I should try to get an internship or something. And then the next closest thing was like at price, the price school of uh, urban planning or something like that the oh the public policy school more or less. yeah the public policy school so I got a double like I s took on a double major in like urban planning and then I took one class and I was like I had like this like thick with like four C's textbook with LA zoning codes I had to memorize every week and I was like I hate this I can't do this <laughs> anymore <laughs> and and then I one of my professors in the environmental studies program connected me to a student she had that was working under my, uh, I guess like my future, but right now past undergraduate research advisor. And then I met her and then she, she sort of like paved, like I didn't really have a choice. She was kind of like, oh, like you want to do research? And I was like, yeah. And then she was like, okay, you can do this or this. And then I'm going to put you into the ge geology department, like academic advisor. So you can switch your major. And I kind of was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll switch my major now and then join your lab. And then now I'm here. Oh, wow. That is too funny. That is way yeah. too funny. Well, I mean, like it, it seems as if uh, more or less what ended up happening for you was that you thought you had an interest in something even though you might have not known what you know that thing was specifically you kind of just like I don't know followed the breadcrumbs a little bit up until you got somewhere where you're like oh, okay this is really cool it'd be really interesting to do research in this area and stuff yeah I think I was just looking for the geology department from the start but I just didn't end up there when I came into USC like that was what I was looking for but I didn't find it until like a year or two down the line yeah no I mean I think that's kind of a like a, a reoccurring uh theme or a common theme in many people who do end up doing the earth sciences right yeah it, it's like it's it's more of a discovery major than mm -hmm. it is like than it is when you're first entering um like first entering undergrad and stuff so I don't really know why that is I don't know if it's because um, maybe the, the other physical sciences are maybe more popular and whatnot, but I think geology is probably, like just the geosciences, the, the earth sciences and stuff, it's probably the, I don't know, the branch of science where people can like really grasp like what's going on, like how they can apply it how they can apply those concepts to real life things, right? Because the geosciences help you think about stuff like environmental pollution, 
climate change um it's very informative like you, you know the stuff that you're doing helps you you can see how it translates directly to real life problems that we have right now so mm-hmm. i don't know how to go about addressing that problem but i think uh like i don't know if departments if these earth science departments were to i don't know maybe advertise themselves a little bit better maybe yeah more and more people would um actually major in the the earth sciences yeah i mean i also think it's partially like maybe american culture or like the world culture in general like a medical doctor is seen as a more prestigious and more desirable career path than a regular scientist per se you know Mm -hmm. and like in high school like all my classes are like even the if you think about like the ap and like the ib i think that's what it's called the ib system the high school like the other equivalent to ab ap yeah 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 yeah. i know what you're talking um about. all those like ap science classes like ap bio ap chem those are like kind of geared towards medical things mm-hmm. which is really important like I, I i see i get it like we need more doctors um but it really puts like the other sciences like I guess earth sciences maybe physics to a lesser degree at a disadvantage and like I think often people think that earth sciences is a lesser I guess uh it's a lesser major like a lesser science a less quantitative science compared to biology physics or chemistry which is not true at all Right. You know, what's so funny. I had this professor tell me um, uh, that biology isn't necessarily a real science. Instead, it's more of an aggregation of like the other physical sciences and stuff. So he was he's a physicist. So he was pretty much just saying that like the real sciences, like the real science, like real scientists occurring in physics and, and in chemistry, essentially. And now like biology is just like not really a science. It's pretty funny. I mean, like how some people will think stuff like that. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, like it's, I don't know, biology, you know, in the case of biology and like, you know, the earth sciences. Yeah, sure. They're not as, I wouldn't say they're like, I I don't think they're as rigorous as like the discipline of physics itself. You know, when you're like doing all these theoretical proofs or you're doing all this experimentation, However, you do end up using those concepts. So it is, you know, it's in like directly, it is science. Like it's still science, but it's like science in a different context. Yeah. I mean, that probably has to do with the scale of things, right? Like earth science is like quite a, like if if we think about it in like physically, like earth science, we're thinking about large picture things like the earth or like planetary processes. Mm-hmm. bio you're like moving smaller and then chem chemistry you're moving smaller and then like physics is like even smaller mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. in the scale so like kept physics and chemistry are the building blocks of the other sciences essentially so i, I guess i get that right That's but then sense. but then there's math that trumps it all i think <laughs> right because it's like it's it's in everything yeah it's in everything that's crazy Okay, so, so okay, so you pretty much in your undergrad experience, so you, you switched around a lot, and you ultimately ended up doing a lot of research. Um, 
you mentioned that you attended conferences as well. So how was it doing that as an undergrad? Because I feel like, you know, it's one thing to to be able to stay on top of your your coursework and stuff, but to do the research and then also having to go ahead and present at conferences, I feel like that's a lot. So how was yeah. that experience like for you? Um, It was a lot. Well, <laughs> I was very naive about it, I think. I was very ignorant. So like, I guess I did like a school-wide conference once and that was much more casual when I really enjoyed it. And then I heard about like, the larger national conferences like um, AGU, American Geophysical Union, and then GSA, I think Geo- Geographical Society of America, I think that's what it stands for. Something around that ballpark. I should know. I, <laughs> I'm i sorry that I don't remember off the top of my it's head. It's fine. Right you now. said GSA. I'm sure people would. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and I mean, then like the stakes were higher, right? Like then we had all our research, our figures and whatever. And then like making a poster for it, like, wow. Like it was a grind. Like I was up many, many hours trying to get that perfect to the way that all the collaborators and my advisor wanted to be. And that, that makes perfect sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Because now, now we're, we're not at a, at a university level, like undergraduate only like, sort of show and tell type thing anymore now we're with professionals and like that's something i guess i really didn't understand i kind of was like oh why is why is she bothering me about this like i have finals to deal with but then like she wants me to get this done and then you know i'd be up like four or five in the morning in in our lounge like grinding away and then but now looking back at it like it makes perfect sense because it's it's not only my science but it's their science too and it's and this I wouldn't say the stakes are higher, but like we're surrounded by professionals now and we want to be professional about it. So everything needs to be as perfect as possible. So that was hard, but it was a really good experience. And um, I loved it. Like it was super fun. Like I loved being there presenting like the two years of work I put into something. Like I was really proud of it. And then the fact that I, I got a lot of like positive feedback from scientists that I've read papers from and people I respect it was like very rewarding and I enjoyed it a lot Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it was it was hard to get there but it was I think it was worth it Mm -hmm. I mean essentially I mean that that type of grind that type of uh yeah that type of grind is essentially the training that they give you right as a first or second year PhD student Right. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so like for you, I feel like being that you're in your first year of your PhD, I feel like because you've had that training already, it makes it, oh, I would imagine that it would make it a little bit easier for you to navigate early on while you're doing your PhD. Um, I'm not so sure. Like, I don't know. Not sure. Because I feel like I, in the sense that I don't like I'm sure like what I what I went through in undergrad has prepared me to do this right now, like what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like the people who are doing the things I'm doing right now have had the same experience or more, even more of an experience or like I guess like about the same level or like more than I had. You know what I mean? Because like by the time you're at the PhD, like you're doing PhD, like everyone's like 
have has had more or less quite a lot of ex- research experience as an undergraduate. That's why they're here. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I was referring to more, more, like more to how you can, uh, like how you approach your work, like, you know, how to approach the work, essentially, that you're tasked mm-hmm. with. Like, yeah. I, I feel like the training that you've received while you were in undergrad, you know, would, would help you navigate a little bit better than if mm-hmm. you didn't have that training and then you were like learning on, on the yeah, training. I see. I, I understand now. I understand. Yeah, definitely. Like, because especially because I didn't really stray off my path too much. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's been very advantageous for me. Like I understand a lot of the things I'm reading in, I, in papers or like if I don't understand, I can learn it. I guess on a level that is enough for me to understand what I need to know out of it. Mm-hmm. So that's like very helpful for me. Right. You don't necessarily feel lost. It's like, okay, I know how to like, if I don't know this, then I know how to, you know, figure out the things that I need to know and move on. Kind of like, I definitely feel lost. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I definitely feel really lost right, a right. lot of the times, but I, I don't feel like I have to panic okay. like I did at undergrad, but like now I'm like, oh shoot, I'm lost. <laughs> what do I do? And then I'll like kind of like think about it and be like, oh wait, I can do X, Y, Z things. And then maybe it'll get me a little bit closer. And it, it, it often, more often than not, it gets me a little bit closer. And like, that's, that's sort of like, I feel like the story of my first year in PhD right now, I'm like trying to pick at puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, so it did help, but I, I am still very lost most of my days. <laughs> I mean, to be honest. I mean, I mean that's like, the point. Right. I mean, that is the PhD, point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel, but, but also, I mean, I feel like most people are lost in general, right? We're all just trying to figure yeah, out exactly. some stuff. We're following the breadcrumbs, but we're still, you know, it's still a little fuzzy. A little foggy yeah, out exactly, there. exactly. Now, prior to doing your your PhD, I know that you did your master's at Columbia. So why don't you uh, yeah. tell me a little bit about that? What was that experience like for you? Yeah, so, um, uh, I I say I have somewhat of a complicated, I have complicated feelings about Columbia. But in the end, I have, it has a soft place in my heart. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I did a master's in Columbia, essentially because I got rejected by Columbia for a PhD program. But then they offered me a master's and I had really, really thought about like, now that I couldn't get into a PhD program, what am I going to do? I still want to do science. And so Therefore, I probably still need to do a PhD. And, and I felt that the master's program at Columbia was flexible enough where I could um, basically mold my classes or like, quote unquote, my training so that it can make me better prepared as like a climate scientist as a whole. So I've never had, I like an undergrad, I've strictly did really only like, um, more or less like chemistry work like organic geochemistry work Mm -hmm. and i really didn't have much experience with like climate interpretation or like different like different fields of climate science and 
I was like, well, this is probably what was one of the factors of my downfall in my first round of applying for a PhD. Like I did a lot of chemistry, but I was applying for climate positions that use this type of chemistry and app like to understand past climate, but I really didn't have a strong understanding of how the climate system was in the past or is right now. So I kind of was like, oh, well, I probably should like learn more about this. Mm-hmm. And that's what I use Columbia for. And yeah, like to be honest, like I actually got exactly what I needed to out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard though, like a one year master's program is not an easy thing to do by any means. And I, anyone who's doing it, like kudos to you, I feel your pain. <laughs> It's hard. It's a big grind, but um, so yeah, I basically went in to the masters with a mindset like I want to learn how to do modeling. I want to learn how to use statistics, and I want to learn more about modern climate dynamics. And I was like really set on this, and like I didn't care about anything else, which probably is not a good thing to do because like Columbia offers a ton. And they have experts in fields everywhere. But I was like so focused on this that um, I was like, well, I'm gonna take all these like coding classes and the statistics classes, and and I did. And then I and then by the time I was ending my program, I took on like some other like policy stuff that I was like, huh, since I'm here, like I'm about to leave, I should try this since like this is what this university is known for. And um, yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. And then but but yeah, so that's why. I went to Columbia and that's what I got out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like at times it's beneficial to focus on one thing, especially mm-hmm. if you know that you have an interest in that thing, right? You know, right. If, you, if you know you have not this is where your, your interest is, then I think it makes decision making a lot easier for you it was like okay you're gonna go in there and and essentially you're gonna get what you need out of it so that way you can get to a place where you're gonna be okay exactly right um but i guess like i mean like i'm in general like a really stubborn person i mean like you know this like everyone knows this so like i have like tunnel vision when it comes to these things but i think what was really The best thing I took out of my experience from my master's program is that I learned more or less how big the world is, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, like, even though I was studying climate science, like my master's program was very unique. Like it wasn't just students from earth sciences background that went into it. It was people who studied like French or like psychology or like business that were all had a common goal of wanting to learn more about the climate and then sort of make an impact. Mm-hmm. So that that was like really, that probably was the best. It was probably best for me as a human being because I was, you know, I mean, like I can get close-minded sometimes and this like really opened my eyes that like, it's not just scientists that we need, but it's, it's, it's everybody that we need. And then the fact that all these students that came in from different backgrounds and was studying level the level of graduate school climate 
science work they were doing at without a science background that's like pretty amazing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not not to mention that some students were like international and like the english is like not their first language and they're doing this at a grad school graduate graduate level i'm just like now thinking back to it, i'm like holy moly you guys are crazy <laughs> yeah. yeah no right because i mean you're with yeah no when, when you go ahead and you do your masters it's like you're with the big boys now right and yeah. any, anything that you don't know like the prerequisites and stuff they're not gonna take the time to to teach you these things no nah, you gotta figure it out on your own you're like well yeah, you, you go gotta... figure it out we're gonna go anyway so you're like all right <laughs> yeah so like if you need to learn linear algebra well guess what you're gonna learn linear algebra <laughs> exactly that's crazy so no but it's it's very uh i think it's very inspiring when you are taking uh courses with individuals who whose backgrounds are not specialized in this thing right because it shows you right. that hey if you're interested in something then you're gonna be able to do that thing you know you mm -hmm. you're gonna make it work no matter what is it that you have to do whatever the obstacles are you'll make it work. So that in itself is very inspiring. Exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned that your first go around uh, at applying to graduate school, you didn't get into Columbia um, for, for a PhD. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about what your first round of applying to graduate school was like. <laughs> yeah, it was uh in one in like a word it was foolish. <laughs> um I mean like yeah, I I had like thought in my head like wow, like I did so much work, like I did all these great things like I in my in my in my own mind, mm -hmm. I, like reflecting back on it now, I'm like wow, like what an ignorant child I was. <laughs> but basically like I had a mindset and perhaps it was like it's a result of my upbringing and like the culture I'm from. But basically I felt like I did quite a lot as an undergrad and I was told by, you know, people around me that like people I respected that I was like quite good. So I was really, I felt like I was encouraged to apply to like quite high tier institutions. Mm -hmm. And I foolishly only applied to like very high tier institution. And, and, and my mindset was that if I'm going to commit to something for five to six or I hope not seven years, I want to be doing it at the best right. possible place and somewhere where I feel like I want to be at. And I still agree with that mindset to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't know at that time was like, I needed I, I think I was still way too immature to do a PhD program and like I didn't have enough like knowledge about the rest of like the climate science world to like be able to do any like come up with any like interesting questions or like be able to connect dots between different fields and apply it to my own research like I definitely did not have those skills and that's probably what the PIs I applied to recognize and I totally understand that now mm -hmm. so basically i only applied to like a hand uh, how many schools did i applied to maybe like i don't know seven eight schools and basically i got like shot down by everyone or maybe i made it like quite far in but i, I don't know um and you know like 
process of applying is like you find some researcher you're interested in at a university and like you read up on their papers, you send them emails if they're looking for students and hopefully they'll reply and then you can you you can think about research or like interests you have, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, going through that process is fun and scary and kind of stressful at the same time. And basically, um, it didn't work out for me at the end, which is why I went to do um, the master's degree. But, you know, it, it at the time, it was like, really, like, it sucked. I was super sad about it for so long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I was like sad about it for like a year. <laughs> and I, I was like, I honestly was really sad about it. And like, I like, in some ways, like I couldn't like forgive myself. Like I felt like a super failure. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? Yeah, I was really pissed at myself for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, but that's important, though, right? Like if you I think if anything like your audience needs to take out of like what it's like doing a PhD is that you need to be resilient Mm -hmm. and if you get rejected the first time and then you give up then maybe a PhD is not for you because a PhD or like I guess like anything in life is just like about failing right and you got to get back up like brushed off your dirt on your knees and try again and that's like amplified in like a PhD program Mm-hmm. And I think if I had given up after the first round, then it probably wasn't for me. Like I probably would not have, will not have what it takes to make it through. So I tried again, right? Like last year. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I think I was kind of foolish about it too. I only applied to one program, which is the <laughs> one I'm in right now. <laughs> so like the viewer or like the listener should, don't not do what I did. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do what I did. Like, it's so stupid. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. But I, I, I the second time around, I applied to one program. And I was about it. I was thinking about applying to Columbia again. But I kind of was like, oh, I don't think I can do it. Mm-hmm. And but then but, but I mean, like, there was a logic to my foolishness in the sense that like, if I didn't get into a PhD program, I kind of knew the weaknesses I had as an applicant and as an individual wanting to uh, like pursue science. Mm -hmm. So if I got rejected, I knew like, I felt like I knew where I had to pinpoint and improve on my weaknesses. So I was like ready to do it again the third time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. But I I guess it worked out, but still don't apply to one program. That's like not good. (laughs) That's funny. Um, I would say, so you've mentioned a couple of interesting, uh, things there like for example when you were applying for the first time and you know you you essentially were hyped up right or at least like the feedback that you got was that you know you do really really good work and stuff like that and you know you should be able to get into a top tier university and stuff right so I feel like I feel like that is true and you know for for the cases of other individuals because i mean one of the things that they always tell us when we're applying for phd programs is that you know the the number one thing that they look at is 
can you do research? Do you have the the capacity to do research? And mm-hmm. the fact that you did it for, you know, for like two years and you didn't just work out of someone's lab, like you went and you went to conferences, you presented at conferences and stuff. So on paper, I would say that you are more, you were more than qualified to get into a PhD program um, yeah. when you were coming out of undergrad. Uh, mm-hmm. If you had to go and get additional training for you to be able to do the things that you were interested in then that's what the first couple of years of what the phd program should be about right you getting that training so that way eventually when you transition into the research portion of your phd then you should be good to go so i guess my question to you is that do you think if i guess if you had maybe second tier schools on your list the first go around do you think you'd be in a phd you would have been in a phd program like you know back like you would have gotten into a phd program uh the first go around essentially it, uh, i'm not sure not sure i think i i think i think another like downfall of my first round of phd was like i was so focused on doing one thing like i don't again like my issue with like tunnel vision like i had a research idea and i was like proposing it to different people and i only wanted to do that one thing which like greatly Mm. like narrowed my like ability to like or like narrowed my options right i see like only certain people can do certain things mm-hmm. and because my field is so small already there's only like a handful of options i have mm-hmm. right so i think i should have been more open-minded about different types of research questions and been more open-minded and doing different types of science and and ultimately like like now thinking about it like it doesn't matter where you do like maybe uh, that's like that's a hard I don't know what I'm trying to say I I guess what I'm trying to say is like first rate second rate university I get it doesn't necessarily matter it really does what really matters is like who you're doing your research under Mm -hmm. how much opportunity do you have under that person to do what you want to do and if you can't necessarily do it how close can you get to it and if you are able to do what you want to do are there people around you that can help you do what you want to do and more like oftentimes like i guess like higher tier universities have more has more of those resources right not not to say that a lower tier university might not but it's like I mean, like, tier system is, like, so, a somewhat vague system. And it's, like, really based off of, like, how long the school existed, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I those are the benefits of going to a higher tier institution. Mm-hmm. But it's not to say that your degree is any worth any less or your science is worth any less. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. No, to be honest with you, I'm not sure if I, if I knew that... Um during the first go around that you essentially were proposing a specific research question that you were interested in yeah like wrote oh really i like wrote up like a nsf like that like grfp thing and then Mm -hmm. and then like um i guess like the people around me were like wow this is like a good idea and i felt like huh maybe this is a good idea and then yeah 
maybe I just like, I mean, like I always say this, but I definitely think like overconfidence is my biggest like <laughs> downfall. And that these are like clear examples of that. Um, but I do think, although I have said that, um, like the quality of your science, like doesn't, like whatever institution you go to, like the quality of your science doesn't, like it doesn't like mean anything, right? But I, I have noticed, and then like, I think this is like something you can notice by like looking at people's CVs at like big tier universities. But if you do want to become like a faculty at like a higher tier institution, if you look at a lot of the professors' CVs there, mm -hmm. they all went to like a top 10, top five institution. And maybe that says something, but I don't know. I'm not there yet, so I don't know. Mm -hmm. But that is something I've noticed and I feel like that's worth putting out there. I see, I see. Okay. And like people can do what they will with that information, but it's just something I have noticed. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that's, that's pretty interesting. Well, at this point, in your, your your PhD journey, you're in the middle of your first year. Is it the middle? No, still early on, right? Yeah, I'm about to finish my first semester. Okay, right, right. So this is your first semester. So at this point where you are right now, like, what would you say the what would you say the experience has been like so far? Um, nothing has really changed much for me because, like, I finished my master's like. I mean, like, uh, maybe 50 or 60% into my master's program, COVID hit, and then everything mm -hmm. was in, in person, or like, not in person, it was like, in via online school, like via Zoom, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then like, I did my, like, my master's program went into my PhD. So like, I was like, doing both at the same time, a little bit. Really? Yeah, for like, or two, maybe three weeks. Oh, wow. And then so like, I just did both at the same time and then I finished my master's and I did the PhD but then like everything's still like more or less online for my classes at least but I'm TAing in person mm -hmm. so nothing like my lifestyle has not really changed right like nothing has changed too much for me mm -hmm. but I do think that if I had started this PhD program during non like if it, when COVID didn't happen it would be vastly different different okay okay um well how do you see you know this whole COVID thing going on right now I mean uh are there I don't know future impacts like you know what the what is the spring semester looking like for you are you going to be able to start doing some research will you have access to labs like what's that looking like yeah, so right now, like, we have full access, not full access to lab, but it just happens to be, like, my lab is small, so we can fit safely everyone, all two of us, into <laughs> our very large lab space in a very safe manner. Mm -hmm. So research is not really going to be hindered too much unless the university shuts down. That I'm not so sure about. And the university's plans on how classes and stuff are going to go for next semester is, like, not very clear to me. Mm -hmm. I just know we start around February 3rd, and then we're going to go straight through without much break, I think. Mm -hmm. But I think just because, like, 
a lot of my research is sort of like modeling and like statistics heavier now it mm -hmm. doesn't really unpack me as much right so pretty much really all you need is just a computer yeah i just need old faithful here running strong <laughs> <laughs> okay all right that, that's that's good that's good to hear well what are you hoping that will come out of this experience like what do you see what are you hoping the the end goal will be i mean i know you know five five six years is a long time but at this point where you're at right now what are you hoping that i don't know what position you're hoping to be in once you're finishing like once you finish your phd um i hope to have a good relationship with my advisors like i i, I actually like i actually really mean like i don't mean that as a joke but like i think oftentimes like phds and their advisors like can have bad relationships by the end of the five six years mm -hmm. and one of my goals is to have ended off well and like keep in contact with them as humans you know right that's that's, that's 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 number one um i don't want any bad blood mm-hmm um, number two, right now I'm in the mindset that I'm going to try to get a postdoctoral position after I finish my PhD. Okay. So my, I guess my goal is still quite research heavy, but I can't confidently say I want to become a faculty at a university. I feel like that's like such a hard life and I'm kind of like, and I'm, I'm sure by the end of it, I'm kind of, I'm going to be like, I want to stop grinding so much. <laughs> <laughs> so... I mean, prior to like coming into the PhD, I was looking for a job. So I've seen a, like what's out there a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of cool stuff going on in the climate field that's not related to research, but still requires lots of research like background. So right. I'll probably be applying to those types of positions and like a postdoctoral position mm -hmm. um, or like some research scientist position at like a university or like a national lab or something like that mm -hmm. okay so I see. those are that's what i'm aiming for so i'm gonna do my best to try to publish as much as possible or like and try to do i guess quote unquote good research mm -hmm. okay that's good to to uh comment on your uh i guess your your priority number one with uh maintaining a good relationship with your advisors i think mm -hmm. that's uh i think that's very important it's it's a yeah. good thing that's like it's it's one of your priorities because once you even once you're done with your phd right i mean you mm -hmm. still need these individuals they still have to write letters of recommendations for you and like who i mean who better to right. write you a letter you know than someone who's supervised your work for five six seven years so it's really important and the fact that you're going to be dealing with this person for that period of time it's like okay you got to figure out how to make things work with them you got to figure out how to communicate with them because if not then you know phd experience might turn into a miserable one so yeah exactly and like the other thing is like like the whole like grad school or like phd like application and like acceptance thing is like a very strange concept right mm -hmm. like you you exchange emails one or two times you meet with that person 
maybe once and then like you're like all right we're going to commit to each other for like five to six years of our lives and that's like whoa that's that's weird that's like a weird thing <laughs> kind of a marriage. and yeah exactly it's like but then like a relationship between a phd advisor and a student is like a very complicated relationship right mm -hmm. it's like phd like faculty are not necessarily trained on how to advise students they're there to research produce work and teach on the side more or less right mm -hmm. so oftentimes advisors are not the best advisors and oftentimes advisors are still learning how to advise and a lot of that is you know the phd student needs to take one for the team not to say there are bad advisors out there there are a ton of bad advisors out there but those that are good and are struggling like we have to remember that these are people too and trying to learn mm -hmm. and and like the whole like what i i know I'm, I'm rambling a little bit but what i'm trying to say is that these people accepted the job to mentor you and prepare you for a career for the next five to six years of that your life. Mm -hmm. And that's not something I think we should be taking for granted because it's a huge commitment on their part and it's a huge commitment in our part. So it is being a PhD student in itself is a huge privilege. And I think that's something I will have to keep remembering and then knowing that these people that have accepted me to this university saw potential in me and are willing to take the risk on trying to do something with me. And that's like not a common thing, I think. Although it's common in the world of academia, that's like the norm. Mm -hmm. In like society, that's like not a common thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's something I think that needs to be really appreciated. Okay, well, it makes, makes perfect sense to me makes great deal amount of sense to me when you put it that way it definitely makes you realize that it's not just the research that's important but it's also it's probably the human relationship that is the most important yeah. or else like that will in turn like affect your research yeah for sure because if you're not in a if you're not a good if you're not in a good place right w with the the human aspect then that definitely will trickle into your work and Next thing you know, it, then things get even more complicated, right? Because you can't yeah. move forward and you're going to be stagnant in a way. But yep. me knowing you, I, I know your work ethic. I know you you work hard. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that you, you know, won't get to where you're, you're trying to go. So I'm pretty sure you're going to be just fine. I mean, you're going to I mean, you're going to have times when, you know, we're on the we're going to be on the phone and you're going to tell me that. You know, hey, this, you know, this part sucks, but yeah. <laughs> me knowing you, I, I definitely think you got the the right stuff to allow you to persevere. So I'm looking forward to seeing what this experience is going to be like for you and uh, how, you know, how things are going to work out once you're once you're done. Oh, thanks, Michelle. I appreciate it. Oh, man, no problem. And I appreciate you for. Uh, taking the time to have this conversation with me, it means a lot. Of course, anytime, anytime. That's it for us this week. We hope that you guys enjoyed the episode. Please be sure to follow us on our social media pages for any of our upcoming updates. Until next time. <laughs>